design at the at the end of the day is connection. And any it, it's, you're conveying information, you're conveying an experience, um, and having that connection severed, um, I feel can have dire consequences. Like, like I said, very varying levels of of severity based on what we're designing. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Pixelated Perfect. I am really excited today. I have a very special guest. This is Justin. Justin, thank you so much for being here. Um, yeah, great to be here, Diane. Yeah. So I, I wanted to give a quick intro um, and kind of give everyone a little um, tidbit of what we'll be talking about today. So Justin is an internationally recognized design leader, author, and speaker. Um, he resides in Chicago. He has over 25 years experience. Um, he gives unique perspectives on the evolution of design and impact of design on company culture, which is really exciting. I'm really excited to dive deeper into that. Um, he's recently launched Anomaly, which is a design and design leadership company. Um, and he also wrote a book, which is coming out on June 27th, and it's called In Fulfillment, The Designer's Journey. Um, so yes, let's, let's jump in. Thank you so much. Let's just hop right into it. So Justin, the first question I have for you, which is something I usually ask a lot of my podcast guests is when did design come into your life? Um, when was that moment or compilation of moments where you were like, design is is me. It's where I see my career going. It's who I am. Yeah, I can pin that um, to a very specific moment, actually. I um, So my mom uh, is slash was a fine artist. So illustrations, painting. So I was always kind of surrounded by art, but more fine art uh, medium wise. And it, it certainly captured my attention and I, I appreciated, you know, her abilities. Um, but I remember when I was in uh, high school, I believe it was my sophomore year, and uh, I was in uh, study hall. And I walked into the, the classroom and in the back of the classroom were these um, album cover designs, not, not, not uh, you know, like uh, professionally released material, but it was, you could tell it was student projects. And rather than go straight to my seat, I kind of went back there and I was checking them out. And um, I thought they were really cool. It was, it was, um, you know, ar artistic, but it was, it was different. So I went to the the study hall uh, faculty member and I asked her about them and she said it was her class's work. And she uh, said she taught graphic design one. And I said, what do you, like, what do you do in there? And she said, we're visually problem solving. And I was like, Ooh, that, that sounds pretty cool. Um, so I, I didn't have much room in my, um, curriculum, my, my, my track, my course coursework to, uh, take on more, uh, classes until that point, but I made a shift my junior year and I took graphic design one. And, uh, I remember like doing the work in that class and it was like, you know, this rudimentary pencil scissors, cutting paper and like the, the weight of the paper and the lettering, which was all done by hand and color usage and uh, truly visual problem solving. Like that lit a spark in me. I've had very few moments of like pure clarity in my life and career, but I was like, this is it. I knew it with with clarity, that was it. So rather than, you know, my I, I was very by proxy grades focused uh, to that point. And I was just like, I'm done with grades. Like I want to get a portfolio <laughs> together and go to art school and, you know, a uh, young person, uh, naive mistake that I made. I like put all my eggs in one basket, uh, put a portfolio together for the uh, school, the art Institute of Chicago. And, um, that was the only place I applied to. 
And uh, th- thankfully, I got in. Uh, that could have really bit Ooh. me in the rear. <laughs> yes, for sure. Uh, um, wow, yeah, that that's it. awesome. Yeah, that was it. Yeah. yeah, I I love that story. I I know that you have had a lot of experience and you've worked with many designers over the years, but I do think that there's like two types of designers, right? There's designers that like they knew they have stories like yours. Like I have a story like yours. Um, it's like you know I always was creative. My parents are creative. They own video production. And like, I played with Photoshop in the first time and I was like, oh my gosh, like this is life-changing. This is like where I see myself. And so I kind of had that like moment of like, this is me. Um, And there's a lot of us out there. And then there's the ones that are like career switchers. They take boot camps. they have a history, they have a whole other career. And then they've kind of shifted into this. Um, And so I think it's really interesting to kind of hear how design came into different people's lives and like where that passion came from. Um, And so, yeah, I I love what you said. I also love that you got to take it in high school. That's awesome. I didn't have that opportunity. I had to wait till college, but you said that your, your instructor, teacher was like, what we're doing here is visual problem solving. And that's such a great way to think about design, especially graphic design product design, UI, UX design. Um, and you like started from the basics, right? You were doing those, like you were literally like writing out letters um, and solving problems. And so I think that's really, really interesting. Um, and so I guess the question for you is what, how do you distinguish or what are your thoughts on like designers that come from a more traditional graphic design background? They had that thing from early on versus maybe more of career sh- switchers that pick it up later in their career. There's uh, advantages um, to both scenarios, honestly. One thing I appreciate from uh, the curriculum I had, because, you know, this is a different time. This is when late 90s, early 2000s, when uh, the web as a career was just becoming a thing, right, for designers specifically. So my formal training was in typography and and layout and graphic design um, specifically. Like the Art Institute at that point did not even have uh, like a digital design curriculum. So I remember buying books and I was just hungry to learn. I bought myself books and taught myself to code. And I remember in the, in the lab, uh, one of my lab sessions, like uh, I designed a web page for one of the, um, musicians we were stuttering studying in, in chamber music, classical art school, uh, classic art school course, chamber music. And I, I put like a website I designed locally on each one of the, um, computers and people were like navigating. And it was just like blown them away, like the hover states of buttons. And I mean, this is a while ago, like I said, um, and just like the raw digital landscape, um, was a problem to be solved at that point. So I, I felt like that traditional design training married with that, um, was fascinating to me. Absolutely fascinating because we were figuring out the rules, um, and how we could break them more or less in, in digital design. So that was cool. Um, but like you said, as I've hired folks along the way on, on various teams that I've led or organizations I've led, um, one of the things we're getting into culture a little bit here, I like to do is I call it the new day one and I hire folks on a, I, I bring them into the, in the team on a Friday instead of a Monday. Um, so there's a kind of a different energy established rather than five days of orientation or reading a manual or jumping into work. Like I want to understand them as a human being, as a bespoke individual, rather than a name on a piece of paper. So one of the things we do is we go off site. I ask them to take, um, take me to some place that inspires them in the city. Of course, we could do that virtually now as well. Uh, but I remember one time uh, a, a new team member took me um, by the uh, Museum of Science, Science and Industry, which is about maybe 10 minutes south of Chicago. And we, we went uh, not there, but like a little bit by the lakefront. 
And I, we went there and I said, you know, why are we here? Why, why does this space inspire you? And they said they were in another field completely. Uh, it was banking and um, they knew they loved to connect with people and help people solve problems. And they got to the core of that, how that aligns their values, the crux of helping people solve problems. And they decided to make a career shift over to UX so they could uh, apply those same values and, and things that were important to them uh, to the UX space. And they went to a boot camp and they did some training via that. And to me, that's that's brilliant. That's bloody brilliant. You you had that moment of clarity. You applied your values and your North Star to um, a different field. And and they were, you know, they did phenomenally well. So I think there's a million different ways to attack it. Everyone has their own unique background story, but um, those two are pretty cool. Yeah. Oh, that's, I love that. Um, that's, I love how you have like your day one on a Friday out in a place that's meaningful to that person. I think that's a really great, um, way to onboard. And I have many questions. We have many questions I want to focus on about, um, kind of that culture establishing and things like that. Um, but I guess like before we hop in too deep, there is, I, this is kind of getting a little into your book. So in fulfillment, the designer's journey is what was it that made you want to deepen your understanding of a designer's journey or focus on bringing out like the culture in the design space? I think at this point in my, um, my own journey, my own, um, yeah, my own journey as a designer over the many years that you cited uh, in the intro, uh, I've gotten a, a bit uh, more clarity and perspective on my own disconnection over the course of my career. Now, I want to focus on on that specifically because disconnection affected the way I am connected to my work. And that is important, not just because I want to better my portfolio, which is also great, but it's it's... I'm I'm more concerned about the folks on the other end of my work, those who would be engaging with my work. And yeah, sometimes, you know, design, um, it has various levels of impact uh, based on what we're um, designing. It could be an app icon. It could be a concert poster. It could be a chair, um, but it also could be um, an emergency alert system, or it could be something uh, healthcare related. And those have varying levels of intensity and how they touch someone's lives but design at the at the end of the day is connection and any is you're conveying information you're conveying an experience um and having that connection severed um i feel can have dire consequences like like i said very varying levels of of severity based on what we're designing so um fulfillment to me, it, I think the book very well could have been called In Connection as much as it is, is in fulfillment. It's a word, but I think, you know, if fulfillment is the jewel, I feel like there's many facets uh, to that jewel. I think fulfillment is connection. I think design, like I say in the book, is connection made manifest. If it's like something tangible or intangible or how we're building a team or, or building a, a structure, uh, design is problem solving, like we said at the beginning, like my art teacher said 25 years ago. Um, it could be you know, visual problem solving, what have you. Um, so that perspective on my career about where my disconnection came into play and how I've been able to um, identify the practices and values where I most thrive. Um, and it's not, it's not hokey pseudoscience. Like when you uh, are able to understand what your values are in your personal and professional spheres of existence and make sure there's a unified, uh, front there where you're able to leverage them to the benefit of both those spheres of existence, it really creates this harmonious, um, 
dynamic or energy, let's say, uh, based on whatever environments you're in, personal environment or, or business environment. So it, really those accrued learnings, um, and I, I've, you know, the material in the book um, is very well uh, trodden. It's very well beat upon. I, a lot of it is from my talks that I've given. And I, whenever I give a talk, I say, I value your feedback. And this is not just me saying that to say it as a designer, like this, this is how I grow and I evolve. I, I value your feedback. And folks have approached me with very candid um, feedback, which I respect immensely. And it's helped me really perfect and uh, make help my uh, material uh, grow to what it is today. So, I, you know, I'm very proud of it. And I think it, it it's also something that uh, folks can hopefully benefit from quite a bit. Amazing. Yes. Um, some things you said that I would love to dive deeper on um, is... You said this clarity kind of came from your own disconnection, which I think is really powerful. And this is something I think any designer, as you grow, as your career grows, as you get further along, and I kind of talk about this a lot. So I'm curious to, I think you're on kind of the same path as like the failures that we make are more impactful than maybe the successes, at least from my perspective. So all of those things that you're like, oh, this didn't work. I want to try it again. I want to do something different. Those moments in my life personally, like whether it was like, oh, what do I want to do? Do I want to switch to product design from graphic design, which I did all of those moments of like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just going to test it. I failed getting back up, trying again, trying something different were the most invaluable skills I've ever learned is the disconnection that I had. And so my question to you is how can we, how can you help designers um, kind of figure out what those values are? Like, where are those disconnects happening and how can they like build that harmonious values instead of tools that they use? Yeah. You know, I, I appreciate your own story there because I think to bounce back from or evolve from those points of disconnection takes a strong degree of humility. And I talk about humility. There's an entire chapter about humility um, as a designer in the book, because when we are always students of our craft, we are always making ourselves available to evolve. And in large part, I'm, I'm quoting myself in my own book, which is a little hammy, but um, I genuinely <laughs> no, believe I in that. <laughs> and I think, you know, even beyond design, like researchers uh, approach work and, and they have to always make themselves students of someone's environment or where they're observing, or if it's ethnography, or if they're observing someone on site or what have you, um, you always have to make yourself students and humble at that point. So you can learn and evolve and make yourself a part of that um, person or individual or business's world. So I think that is huge to leverage humility just as a baseline value. Everyone's values are unique and personal, but I think humility is a baseline value you uh, for all of us um almost agnostic well definitely agnostic of profession is huge but uh for designers specifically and to your first uh the first part of your question how do you identify um where those points of disconnection come you know there are different um frameworks and platforms and methods uh that folks can use i like to leverage one called make meaningful work which um i'm very immersed in and invested in and effectively is, is a, a, a platform where you are able to identify the practices in which you thrive through the, the power of storytelling. And in fulfillment, the designer's journey is very much a storytelling book. Um, but you know, you could take a look at any instance, like when I hire someone on that first day, let's go back to that. My butt is out of my chair and I'm greeting that person at the door. If it's in person at the door, if it's online, I'm on, I want to meet them first thing in the morning. 
five second story. Why do I do that? Because I've been that person before when I walk in and no one is there, right? I've walked into an organization. My boss decided not to come in until three o'clock that day and no one knew who the heck I was or what my role is or where I sit. And it makes you feel small and it makes you feel disoriented and it cuts that energy from signing to that walk into that door and you just feel like garbage. So I want to, I want to cut that, right? Because I, I've been there before and you know, I could have another meeting on my calendar and my phone can be ringing and I want to make sure everything is as clear as possible for this person coming in. And, you know, I want to show them where the mother's room is or where you can get the cu a cup of coffee or help them get oriented uh, within the space. And I'm able to take a look at that story and extract all those things, empathy, compassion, uh, wanting to uh, genuinely be a leader. And I can look at those aspects from that five second story and I can apply that more or less to anything. I can apply that to where, where can I thrive? If I say I left design and I want to work in another field, like what field, where the, might those values apply? Or in my personal life, um, how can I best uh, have effective, healthy relationships by leveraging those same values and establishing boundaries? You know, So I think it's really a portable, um, immensely valuable means of maintaining connection agnostic of your environment. Uh, so that, that's, that's one thing I absolutely recommend. Like I said, whatever platform or framework and framework could be a swear word because they have various levels of intent, but just having a laser focused view of what practices you thrive within and how they align to your values is huge. Yes. I think that's great. I think something you said that is really powerful for our listeners is our listeners are probably listening because they're designers trying to continue to grow in their career. Um, but a value is like a core belief that you have and that you are good at or want to continue to improve. And that can be applied to all aspects of our lives. Right. And so I think that really keeps us completely aligned in, in our journey. Um, I have a side question here because I know you recently launched Anomaly. And um, so I'm the co-founder of the design project. And I did so many exercises, workshops, which were my personal values and how they would translate to my business. Um, and I was wondering, what did, did you do something similar? How were you able to take these values and these core beliefs you had and apply them to anomaly? Yeah, it's, um, this, yeah, I, it was, I was excited to read about your journey, um, as well, uh, coming into this uh, podcast, which is, which is awesome. Um, so yeah, you, this will definitely resonate with you. Um, when you build your own thing, you are able to infuse your own values into the DNA of X, whatever it is, if it's a freelance practice, a small business, an agency, what have you. And the curation and respect and uh, treatment of those values as something grows, like I say, you know, you just want it to be yourself and a partner. If you want it ultimately be a 15, 20 person agency or what have you, that is where the special sauce comes in to make sure the business has that long lasting livelihood, the way you create, the way you treat one another, the way you treat clients um, to make sure those values are in uh, the DNA of everything. And I think, you know, I mentioned the Ben and Jerry's uh, example in the book how those folks, um, their values are in everything and their product, the way they donate, their political beliefs, the way they broadcast themselves on social media. They are just, it's in every fiber of what they do and who they are, which is uh, fabulous. Um, Anomaly was um, very much built on my values. Anomaly is a Swedish word for, guess what? Anomaly. It's just as an I at the end. <laughs> and uh, uh, Swedish culture um, was had a huge impact on me in, in one of my design director roles. Um, for taking on a role as a VP of design within CVS Health. 
this design director role was from a Swedish agency. I was uh, tasked with building out the design practice within their North American offices and Swedish culture just left such a huge uh, impact on me as a, a human being and as a designer. Uh, the egalitarianism, the viewing a person as an individual rather than a worker, um, folks stopping in the middle of the day at two o'clock to come to a table in the middle of the business and have uh, cake and, and coffee and not answer the phones. My head was just as an, as an American employee, my head was just exploding. I'm like, who's going to answer the phone? Like I, I physically like cannot get out of my chair because I was <laughs> mentally shackled to my chair. I just couldn't believe I could do those things. Yes. So it was an awakening for me, um, for sure. And I made sure those values are in the DNA of um, what I'm trying to put together. And I I had an experience where I was um, as a consultant for a tech company, a tech and design company, and uh, a, a, a fellow who was my boss at a previous role um, was uh, went to um, uh, another company, and he said to me, uh, "I want you to come aboard again, and I want you, well, let's do it again. Let's be. I want you to be a VP of design again and build the organization, and hire everybody." and um, you know, a fantastic uh, compensation package around it. And I, I had like this needle scratch in a record moment. And this is a, a, a statement laced with privilege. I, I recognize it. And I'm like, I've done that. I, I've I've done that already. And I've I dealt with the political strife of getting there. And it, you know, it took five years of my life to build that team. And it ended up in a real good spot. But like, I've, I've, I've been there and I'm, you know, I'm uh, midway through my career, let's say. I'm <laughs> trying to be kind of my age. Uh, and, you know, I feel like I can make those decisions at, at this point. And I, I told him no, which felt like an affront to the design gods. I told him no. And he said, you know what? I think you're done. I think you're done with the politics side of thing. I think you're ready yeah. to do your own thing. And I was like, I think you're right. So everything just kind of aligned. And, um, you know, as as you are, as uh, starting your own your own business, uh, a completely different set of challenges. The work ebbs and flows. You are always in sales mode. The buck stops with you. And um, yeah, it's a completely different set of challenges, but you're also operating on your own terms. So um, I, as someone who is challenged and exhilarated by those kind of um, like existing within that discomfort, I feel like it's a, it's a really strong fit at this point. Yes. Um, I think that's really great advice that both of us can give to listeners out there, it's like understanding your values, understanding what's important to you and pivoting based on that. Like, obviously money is a factor. We are all privileged if we get to like take a step back and do our own thing for sure. But also recognizing that if you had done this, you would have been doing something very similar and you might not have been able to grow in the capacity that you wanted to. So by going out on your own, you chose to be uncomfortable, <laughs> to be in a space you didn't know and push yourself. And I think that goes back to what we were originally talking about, which was like disconnection. Once you have that disconnection, like understanding what it is, how to solve for it and what to do from there. Um, and a lot of the times it is putting yourself in an uncomfortable position that you don't know if it's going to be success or failure, but that's where you learn and where you grow the most, in my opinion. So excellent points. Great. Excellent yeah. points. And, and the, the validation for me um, was, you know, I, I've written a couple of books. I've given a lot of talks um, in front of a lot of people, and that's never rattled me. What rattles me has rattled me over the course of my 25 years in design was let's go around the room and introduce each other. Let's, let's start here. And if there, whether there's two people on the call or 10 people on the call, every time, if it's a client call, 
I would be like, uh, so, uh, you know, should I say my job title? Like, what do I do? Like every time I would stumble and get caught. The first client meeting I had, um, as, uh, with anomaly in a room with a client, it just flowed. Let's go around the room and introduce yourselves. And I was comfortable. I wasn't rattled. It just came straight off and I felt really good about it. And I, I did a self-check when I got back in the, my car after that. And I was like, what the heck happened there? Because I, I'm very self-conscious about let's go around the room and introduce yourself. And I, I did a self-check and I'm like, I was existing in my own environment at that point. And I knew uh, I'm very confident in the decisions I made and, and what I've what I've built. And I could speak about my values very clearly. And there was no political implications there. Should I say something with this person in the room or should not? It was just everything, everything gelled. So that was the validation for me. Yeah, for sure. And I think it's important to recognize those moments too, right? Like, I love that you do self check-ins. I think that's really powerful. Like what went well, what didn't go well. And you had that moment of clarity, which is super interesting. It actually, so kind of segueing into, I think this is a concept that you talk about in your book is your North star. Um, so I want to dive a little bit deeper on that. Um, can you, can you explain what you mean by that concept? I know you mentioned a little, but I also think it's really relevant to what you were just saying. Yeah, it's more or less where where you're going, um, and why you're, why you're going there. I guess um, I think I wrap up the book about saying you know we've given you the tools about you know where to align to what, where, and why you create, and um, I think it's just having a clear sense of, of of what that is, and you know that takes time. I'm not saying we have those answers straight away. I mean, I I did not have that answer on day one. Absolutely, full full candor and transparency. It took me a while to get to. At first, I just wanted to get experience and I, I I just, you know, I wanted a job. I wanted a design job. And I think at that point, getting experience is great. Um, and then I'm like, uh, do I want to go, do, am I an IC? I didn't even know that term at that point, but like, am I rewarded by my hands or am I more rewarded by um, helping other folks uh, grow and evolve? So I think those self check-ins um, come in segments along the way in your career. And I think as long as you're consistently doing that, where I'm going and, you know, I, I use North Star in the book, but like where I'm going, uh, like what what path am I charting? Um, it's just good to like check in your, on, with yourself along the way. And like you said, as a dis, as an anti-disconnection mechanism, I think that is a fantastic way um, to go about it. And like, you, you know, like I said, when I got in the car after that uh, anomaly meeting, and I'm like, why did that just flow this time? And I just sat there and I thought about it for a little bit. So I think uh, it's great. Um, yes, design is, is a profession and it's a career and it's a way of putting food on the table. But I think at, at the same time, when we're mindful of um, those who are interacting with what we create or how we can operate at our peak, I think we have to be equally mindful of those things uh, as well. Yeah. Um, what you just said at the end is something you also said kind of at the beginning of our conversation is what how it what we do impacts others. And, and that's a huge part of UX design, UX thinking, what we need to bring into whatever company we're in, whether we started or not, the UX concept is there. Um, and so how, well, I guess my question, I guess, kind of goes to company culture is, do you have an example or can you sh share an instance where design played a pivotal role in shaping the company's culture and making sure that you're understanding those UX principles and applying them to, to the company you're in. Yeah, uh, for sure. So when I made the transition from that Swedish agency um, into that VP of design role, 
and that was with a healthcare organization that was ultimately acquired um, by CVS Health, which is a Fortune Five uh, business. Yeah. And I came in there with my um, Swedish uh, cultural values in place, and this is you know a much larger corporation, much larger corporation. I'm effectively a, a cog in a massively complex machine, and as an acquired company, more or less within CVS Health. And I wanted to. Design Boy wanted to do things his way. So I started, uh, I wanted to do my onboarding on a Friday uh, instead of a Monday. And that that fellow who I mentioned before that um, who was my boss who reached out to me later about that second opportunity, he was my boss there. Um, and I was able to say, I want to do it this way, um, but I want to do this way and it's trackable. I want to make change, but this change is measurable. So whenever you want to make change with an organization, um, regardless of if you're hierarchically a design leader or if you're um, a design leader in spirit at any level of, of um, uh, every any level of your career, uh, it feels good, only moves the needle so much within the business. It feels good and it helps the business because of X, Y, Z. That's where you're actually able to make uh, change. So I said, I want to, I'd like to bring folks in on a Friday instead. I want to do my thing where I, you know, I'm going to welcome them at the door. I want their laptop already there. I'm going to have a card signed by the team there, welcoming them to the organization. We're going to leave the, uh, we're going to leave at about one o'clock and we're not coming back. Um, there's no work going to be done that day. No, no billable hours will be logged and, uh, we're going to go around the city. I'm going to take them to some, I'm going to ask them to take me someplace that inspires them, but let me do this over six months or let me do this over a year and let's see how it affects attrition. Let's see how it affects organic marketing. Let's track when people come in and we ask how they found us. Uh, have they been looking about our blog posts about how we're hiring folks? That was all trackable and measurable. And obviously the results uh, were there. And I had my my boss, um, again, C-level, um, had my back in totality within this large organization. And, you know, when I was on, I was on the... Um, uh, the leadership team there with the VPs of the other groups, IT, uh, product, sales, client relations. Um, you know, my boss said, tell these folks what you're doing. Tell them how this level of, I'm going to say design thinking. I don't mean design thinking the the practice. I mean, applying design to thinking. Uh, tell them how this is working. And they were really intrigued. So they're like, okay, I'm going to do this. I don't know about the inspiration part, but tell me about this part. And it just started impact hiring across the tech organization, which is what uh, we existed within. It, it started, in, you know, in influencing its way through um, the other organizations uh, as well. And every folks got very intrigued uh, by that and it started to work. So I think that's a great example of, um, you know, people first can be uh, a tagline or on a bumper sticker or in your swag when you get hired. But when you actually see that in practice, uh, when you ever see businesses' values tangibly and actions over words, I think that's a very impactful thing. So it was great to see that happen. Yes, that was a really good example. Um, I yes, I I think that is great for like the listeners out there. Is I mean, being measurable and actionable—that's like a UX principle, right? Like everything we do probably needs to have data to back it up. That's how we're able to make our decisions. Um, and move forward. And so you being able to apply that directly into this really large company and show the value, um, giving they gave you the space 
to do it, which is first awesome. And then that you actually got to show that value and they saw interest and then it was impacted throughout the company. Like that is an ideal situation of being able to bring some of that thinking in. Um, what were, were there any people that were not on board with these ideas and like, what was their feedback? What were their questions to you of like, why does this make sense? Uh, no, no major pushback per se. Cause I think it was on the other leaders within the organization to take the bits and pieces that work for them the, the most. Right. If I said, if it was like cookie cutter, okay, you are taking someone out and asking them how they inspire you. Like, I think that would be a little more discomfort, but, it, um, I outlined the activities for the day, but I think the the more important takeaway from that is why I was doing it. And it's, again, it's all those underlying things. I want to show respect. I want to show our values in practice. I want to show I value this person as an individual rather than a name on a piece of paper. Those were the things I wanted more instilled rather than, you know, here's the just a dollar way of onboarding. It's not, it's not about me. It's not about the way I structure a day. It's the ways they are going to um, welcome someone into their organization and ideally had those values carried through from the most micro level interaction on day one through the most macro level and day 500. Um, so th those are the more important things to me. And I think if I, if, you know, I said, here's the playbook, do it like this. I think I would have gotten uh, a pushback, but that's not the way we, <laughs> we rolled it up. Right. It's, it's interesting. Some of these concepts, like your concept is really simple. It's like, hey, be there for someone that's starting, be there to support them. Um, but like you mentioned, as an example, you brought, you came up with this concept because there were times in your life starting a career where that didn't happen. And in, in our minds, we're like, oh my gosh, of course that would never happen. Like, why would someone just let someone walk in and no one knows? But it happens regularly on a daily basis, right? Like, it's just a fact that it happens even if we're, we think that it's such an easy something to avoid. Um, and so I think that talks a lot about like processes and culture. And I don't know the question I'm asking specifically, but like, I think there's these soft skills and these ways that we should be acting. And a lot of organizations act below that, um, which I find really fascinating. So maybe the question is to designers out there that are listening, like, how could they go into their organization or what advice would you have for them to be able to build a better culture or maybe some questions or things they can be thinking about to talk to management or higher up people. One of the um, amazing, I don't mean to sound like a sociopath here, but one of the amazing things from the great resignation or whatever you want to call it at this point, um, mm -hmm. it's been going on three, four years now, um, is designers and folks broadly are not settling. They are not settling um, for values disconnection. They're not settling for the way organizations uh, speak, uh, about values and practices rather than actually put them into play. Um, and I think that's been fantastic. All that market testing folks finding out what's right for them, what, what, what's right for number one. And I think that's absolutely, um, huge. The, the way I'd like to answer your question is how to find an organization that, uh, mm. aligns to your values. If you, if you're currently looking, we talked a bit about if you're there, how to, how to make some impactful, measurable change, hopefully, but when you're looking for your best fit and my, my setup with, for that was that market testing, um, there's a couple of things you could do when you're looking just at a website straight away, any business's website has gone through the same practice as we, as designers, uh, go through when we're designing website or helping a client, they've gone through IA exercises and prioritization of content. Now, when you look at an organization's website that you might be interested in, like, where does, um, 
about us fall in in the navigation? Where does culture fall? When you look at the about us page, is it just like the C-suite or is it the actual employees that you're seeing there? So how are they representing themselves How how they or how they represent themselves is a very uh, telling um, thing, if you will, or is there like in a day in the life culture kind of page or um, are they, are they showing how they put their values in action? Um, and then when you're interviewing, you know, any interview is, is a conversation. It's not an interrogation. So I think coming to the table with questions that are very important to you about how you know you can thrive. So it's very important to have that sense of values because then you can help that, that can help you craft, uh, the questions that you're going to come to the, the table with. Um, how those questions are answered, uh, I think, is huge. Or is it an inter interrogation versus a conversation? Or are there ten rounds versus like they're being respectful of your time and they, you know, they kind of want to get right to it? Um, those are very, very key things. And I've, I've straight up asked before: Can I talk to a former client? Can I talk to a current client? Can I talk to someone who works here now? Can I talk to someone who left? Like, what, what, how, how close are they holding their cards to their chest, more or less? And what kind of responses you get? And some things I can't because of NDAs and such, but. I'm just saying, you know, as designers and researchers or what have you, we have to be aware of our surroundings. We have to be aware of the responses we get. We have to be aware of the environment we we exist within. Take those same eyes, that same mindset into any of these situations. Or if you're being, if you're on site, like are people looking stressed? Are people like sitting on the couch chatting? Just be aware of your environment and your surrounding. There's a lot of like micro tells that come outside of the, um, um, like if, when you're showing a house and everything is staged, right? There's a lot of micro tells around the staging side of things that I think uh, are demonstrative of a, a good fit or otherwise. That's great advice. Thank you for taking that question I asked and putting it into that. I think it's really interesting. Um, and I think it's very relevant, especially now. I think there are designers out there looking for jobs and it is finding that culture fit and that's huge. Um, and I guess this also kind of brings us back to a different piece in our conversation is like, I think what's really hard about trying to find jobs is like there's like a validation of getting to the next stage or getting an offer right and so how can someone that gets to that point be able to make that difficult decision of like hey i made it this far should i continue or i got offered this job it's good money do i want to take it even though there were red flags um and I think, yeah, I don't know how you feel about that or what advice you would give, but I think that's probably something that people thinking about thinking about now as they dive deeper into understanding the culture of organizations. Yeah, there's always a, a trade-off um, there is, is, you know, I think when we come back to the, the notion of self-reflection, um, not every business is, you know, utopic, as we've discussed. Um, those those are hard to find and, and take some, some care uh, to, to locate. And some, you know, have have more faster paced culture and some things are terrible buzzwords there, but faster paced cultures or um, or business environments, let's say, or they're more demanding of hours. Like if you worked in TV and film, you know, you get the production schedules. Um, sometimes they work into two in the morning and that's just the way that sector is. Right. So I think there's given gives and takes there in terms of having a clear sense of what you are willing to um, function with or without. Um, when you're taking a role. And another interesting nugget in your question was um, uh, career evolution and, and progression and um, what is a best fit. And, and when I think of that, I think of, you know, a lot of folks are driven by what I like to call LinkedIn progression, showing I was a junior, mid, senior, management, um, just like having that very clear uh, sense of uh, um, 
resume-based progression. Again, it's not the worst thing in the world. And that's perfectly fine to exist in that uh, circumstance for many people. But also I will say, I have managed folks who um, have been in the same um, IC caliber role, like art director, um, no direct reports, tone setting on design for no joke. I, I had a fellow who in my uh, previous role uh, was in that role for about 30 years, uh, 30, 35 years. Um, same kind of thing. Brilliant, brilliant individual. No desire to manage anybody. No desire for title change. And that that's fine for him. Like I said, just said LinkedIn, LinkedIn progression is fine for some people. That was fine for him. So I think having that sense of what is right for me, um, what will, I would come back to fulfillment. What is my most fulfilling uh, career route? Is it, um, is it, do I need to feel societally um, or um, uh, what do I want to say? Pressured to, you know, have this constant uh, progression up, 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 up. If management is not my best fit, that's what I'm trying to get to. If, if having direct reports is not my best fit. So um, be comfortable with what, who you are, be comfortable with um, what you feel is the most fulfilling thing. You don't have to manage folks. Um, if you, if that's if managing others and helping others uh, grow and evolve is, is the way you go. That's fantastic. But if you, if that's not the right fit, that's okay. It's okay. It's okay to be an IC or, uh, you know, be uh, uh, rewarded by your own hands in motion or, or how your work is evolving. That's, that's absolutely fantastic as well. So a bit of an ambiguous rambling point response to your question, but um, I think there's some food for thought there. No, for sure. For sure. I think it's definitely, I like what you said about like the LinkedIn progression and we all, that's like our resume. Right. And I, I think that we talked a lot about like today and the great resignation and what you should be looking for culture fit wise. And I think you touched on something really powerful was like today it's honestly acceptable to do whatever you want, however you want to do it. Like you and I, we went out on our own, we made our own agencies. Um, or maybe you become a design influencer, like, or you sell courses. Like there's so many directions you can take design that you don't have to fit into this box that was previously like defined for us as designers. So you don't always have to be moving up. You don't have to be a manager if you don't want to be a manager. And a lot of people, especially designers, I think this is a very generalized statement, but designers are more, maybe more introverts and they really like just being on their computer, working with their hands, designing. And if that's you, own it, <laughs> find that as your value and figure out where you can go from there. So I, I think your answer was definitely inspiring and it like probed me on, on that thought as well. Um, so yeah, that was great. So, awesome. so I have like a final kind of question for you about the future. <laughs> Um, and you've been in this industry for a while. You, you talked about dot-com boom, like when you kind of started building websites and like, I mean, you obviously know where this question is going, but where do you see design going? Where do you see designers fitting in the future? Obviously the buzzword is AI. Is it going to take mm -hmm. over now what we can do with Firefly, Adobe, like what's your assumption or direction? Yeah, it's, you know, I'm going to come back to a point I made previously. And that is always being students of our craft to see where things go uh, and evolve. And I think when you, you know, when we have that approach and, you know, this, the Firefly um, integration within the Adobe suite is just mind blowing. What, I, what I've seen videos of and the little I've tinkered with, um, that's going to change workflows and, and the way we create work. And I think we, we're just obviously scratching the surface here. Um, 
so going in it with it with a humble lens and, and just saying, oh, you know, less feeling threatened and more feeling how this can um, enhance the way I'm going to work. Um, maybe remove some of my fulfillment from my work because I like doing it. I like getting in there and, and, and using the rubber stamp tool. And now this is going to kind of eliminate that. So maybe I want to try something over here. Um, I don't know. I, I think it's kind of a fun and, um, you know, leveraging my own uh, lens of vulnerability and candor. It's a little scary. It is a little scary. It's brand new and it's, it's okay to be scared and it's okay to exist within that discomfort. Um, but just kind of going along for the ride and seeing how this can enhance things, or maybe you want to make a shift. Um, you know, I think if I gave you a fixed answer and I said, I think design is going exactly here or there, like uh, Apple, you know, just came out yesterday with that headset. And I'm, my first reaction is who's going to use that? And I'm like, Oh, it's kind of cool. And then I'm like, Oh, it's too expensive, but it's isolating. So I don't know. Do we have to learn, learn spatial design now or be aware of that, that kind of those Iron Man mask displays? Yeah, we should probably see what's going on with that. But um, maybe that's a new career path option. Maybe that's something I'm not interested in. So I'm rambling a little, a little bit, but I think just going with the flow in a way, um, not feeling overly threatened by things evolving because things are evolving quickly now. I think just how Chet GPT has evolved from version one to now is just nuts. <laughs> it's just yes. nuts. So uh, I think we just have to kind of go along for the ride, uh, more or less. And those self-checks that we've mentioned along the way, I think will, to tie another point in, be our North Star and help us figure out uh, how we want to chart our own path. But it's a really exciting time uh, to see where things are going. Yes. Um, I definitely second everything you said. Um, I think that what I liked is you, we brought back to a lot of points in the conversation, but I think the overall message is like you as a designer, like know your values, know your core beliefs, which you mentioned a lot and take those core beliefs and then be open to everything else because that's, what's powerful. It's so exciting. I feel like designers that are coming in now, maybe new fresh designers doing boot camps. like this is such a fascinating time in the design space. And like, yeah, I was talking to my partner about the new Apple goggles. I don't know if they're called goggles, I'm not sure um, they goggles. <laughs> whatever they're called. I think it's like, we were saying like, oh, we're going to look back at this conversation in like 15 years. Remember we were like, who's going to wear that? And then we're like, oh, remember like 20 years ago, no one had cell phones and now they're locked to us. Like we're all going to be potentially walking around with these goggles on our face, right? Like embracing that and trying to get into that now and experiment with it is going to be a really powerful tool for you designers out there. So yes, I think what you said is, is awesome. And Great I point. agree Great with point. everything. <laughs> um, well, awesome. Thank you so much, Justin, for being here. It was super interesting to dive a little bit more here about your career. Um, I'm really excited for your book. We'll definitely make sure to tag it in the comments. Um, comes out June 27th. Um, so be on the lookout for his book and fulfillment and the designer's journey. Um, thank you so much again. And we definitely will continue this conversation at a later date. I want to follow along on your journey. Awesome. Thanks, Diane. I appreciate it.